630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. I have a story here about an unlikely hero. His name is Will Tomchuk. He's 23 years old. In the 11-12 hockey season, he played in his hometown, Fort McMurray. Played for the Oil Barons in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Played defense, played 54 games, scored one goal. Then he makes the Western Hockey League in 12-13. Plays for the Tri-City Americans. Plays 65 games, scores one goal. Next year, 13-14, Will Tomchuk plays for Tri-City and Prince George in the WHL, plays a total of 51 games, does not score a goal. Then in 14-15, starts off in the dub in Prince George. Then he goes back and finishes his junior career in the AJHL with Fort McMurray. That year he plays 52 games total between the two teams. He scores one goal. Found a profile of him written in the Fort McMurray newspaper where he describes himself as a defensive defenseman. Joins the University of Alberta in 15-16. Plays 10 games, scores one goal. Plays five games last year, doesn't score. This year, plays six regular season games, gets into one playoff game, doesn't score. Now, you got to remember, this defensive defenseman in his university career is now sometimes playing defense, sometimes playing forward, depending on where he's needed. Still listed on the Bears' website as a defenseman. So they go to the University Cup. They got some players hurt. They got a guy suspended. Will Tomczyk gets to play all three games at the University Cup. He finds himself on the ice early in the second period in a 2-2 tie. He scores a goal. First of the season. Second in his university career. First one since 15-16. And the Bears win the game 4-2. And Will Tomczyk has scored the University Cup game-winning goal. Pretty surreal. Uh, like I said, it was, it was pretty surreal just to, to put the puck in the net for the game-winning goal, but like I said, it was it was 26 other guys could have scored and put me in that position. I was just lucky enough to put it in the net. What happened there on that play? It looked like you were just, just waiting there with an open net and the puck finally popped to you. Yeah, I kind of just uh, waited in front of the net and uh, Taylor Cooper there was uh, shot the puck and just happened to bounce bounce out to me in the back door and I just put it, put it home. Two two nothing deficits. You guys had to erase once in the semifinal and then once in the final. What allowed the team to be so resilient and so calm to come back? Uh, I just think confidence and uh, and there's no doubt. Uh, we were down a couple goals, but there was no doubt at all. We knew we knew we were coming back and uh, and we just, we were confident. Everyone was confident. There's no panicking at all. Now about your journey. Well, that was your second U Sports goal. Yes, that was. Yeah. When was the other one? Uh, it was my first year, uh, so three years ago. So what's it been like for you? Obviously, you know because you don't play every game, right? And no, I so, so you got into the final. So what's just all that been like for you, sort of 
in and out a little bit to not knowing when you're going to get an opportunity? Uh, it's just not not giving up. Always always working hard, not not making a fuss about anything. And I think coaches gave me an opportunity, and uh, I just I just took it and went with it, and uh, and it you know worked out for me. What about becoming a Golden Bear? Because weren't you in the AJ before you joined the Bears? How, how did you get recruited and join the team? Uh, yeah, I was. So I was. I split my last year in Prince George in the WHL in Fort McMurray. Um, just through my coaches uh, in Fort McMurray, kind of set me up talking with Stan and stuff. So that uh, worked out pretty well. What are you studying? I'm in business in my third year, majoring in finance. Who were the first people you got in touch with after the game? Uh, obviously, my family. You know, uh, they've supported me all this way, and uh, I had a bunch. Like 50 text messages. It took me a while to reply to them all, but yeah, it's mainly just my family first off. Talk to them first. How do you and the team deal with the expectations? I mean, the Bears are expected to be good every year, hopefully win every year. <laughs> this year, you're able to do it. I mean, how do you deal with those expectations and how does it feel to have met them? Uh, yeah, it's pretty, like I said, it's pretty surreal. Um, I, it, you know, there's high expectations and just it, everyone, everyone needs to be their best. And, and this year we were. And uh, it was, like I said, there's 26 guys, guys in there that could have, that some aren't in the lineup every night. And that's just part of being part of the Golden Bear program. That is Will Tomchuk and that Golden Bear program now 16 national hockey titles, three in the last five years. And that's Will Tomchuk and absolutely fits the definition of an unlikely hero. But the Bears tend to find guys like that who can step up at the big time and they get the job done beating St. FX 4-2 in that championship game. Was not an easy road. Weird game to start the tournament against Acadia. Bears dominated 8-2, wound up winning 8-6. Then they fall behind Saskatchewan 2-0 in the semifinal on Saturday. Finally tie it with a couple of goals in the third period. Lots of power play chances helping them. And then Trevor Cox wins it in overtime. And then they fall behind St. FX 2-0 before the game was nine minutes old and are able to pull it out. Got a couple of quick goals before the end of the first. Tomchuk in the second period. Jamie Crooks with an empty netter to seal it. Golden Bear is arriving back in Edmonton this afternoon. I went out to the airport there to talk to Will Tomchuk. We'll have more audio from their arrival as we move along tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 6-11. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. The Oilers did not practice today, coming off their 3-1 loss in Tampa. They will visit the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow. They've recalled Dylan Simpson from the American Hockey League on an emergency basis. Obviously, you got Clefbaum now done for the year. You have Sekera leaving the game early with an injury last night. Russell has not played the last two games because of an injury, so they may need Dylan Simpson to jump right in and play tomorrow. That game against the Hurricanes on 6.30, Ched, 3.30 for the face-off show. Game will start at 5. Just 10 games left in the season for the Edmonton Oilers. If you'd like to get in touch, you can text 6.30-6.30. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Columbus leads Boston one nothing early in the second period. Boone Jenner has his 11th of the season. Predators and Sabres scoreless approaching the halfway point of the game. Florida's up one nothing in Montreal. That's late in the first period. Aaron Ekblad with his 15th of the season. The Kings up against the Wild. That game just starting. And coming up a little bit later on tonight, the Calgary Flames are at the Arizona Coyotes. Another huge game for the Flames as they are starting to drop out of it in the Western Conference. They're four points out of a playoff spot. They have nine games left. They uh, also have two teams. Well, they'd have to pass three teams to get into a playoff spot. The non-playoff teams, Dallas 84 points, St. Louis 83, Calgary with 80. L.A., the best 
or the uh, second wild card team, I should say, they have 84 points. Been tough for the Flames lately. Lost two in a row, just three, six, and one in their last ten. They did get that win over the Oilers, one nothing, thanks to Mike Smith, and it was hoped his return would give them a boost, but they haven't been able to put it together. They lost four nothing to Vegas yesterday afternoon. So we'll keep an eye on those scores as we move along tonight. A little bit more here on the victorious U of A Golden Bears. I talked to head coach Serge Lajoie about that unlikely hero, Will Tomchuk. Our mentality is next man up. Uh, we were put in a situation where because of injuries, sickness, and uh, suspension, uh, Will's opportunity uh, showed up at Nationals, and uh, he worked for that opportunity. So, um, you know, he found himself on the ice. Uh, we were kind of spotting men here and there to kind of uh, give the other players a rest, but he uh, he kept uh, earning more and more opportunity, and for him to be at the doorstep and score the... Uh, we're calling him Sidney Crosby. Well, maybe I'm just the guy calling him Sidney Crosby, the golden goal, but that's what it is. It's a championship goal, game-winning goal, so good for him. How did he deal sort of with being in and out of the lineup and, and some of those challenges? Yeah, the best way to describe him is just consummate pro. Um, yeah, and, and it's not easy. He wants to play just like everybody else. Um, and then there were some times where, you know, he had to maybe check where he was at in terms of the energy uh, he was contributing but uh, he was the absolute consummate pro in playoffs uh, at nationals his messaging on the bench uh, you know we say you know what do your part whatever it is however small you might think it is uh, he contributed in spades and uh, uh, you know the guys to see their reaction when he scored is just uh, is priceless uh, they were so excited for him and for it to turn into the game-winning goal. Great story for sure. Golden Bears back in town. Uh, some uh, little tired faces and bodies getting off the airplane today. The University Cup was uh, had to come through the oversized luggage uh, delivery process, but they opened it up so they could get some pictures with the media as they arrived today. Good for the Golden Bears. Always love to see them win. Incredible program. Serge Lajoie, coach for the last three years. He gets his national title behind the bench. You're still going to hear from Stefan Legault, the former Oil King, who was the MVP of the University Cup. Bob Stoffer will check in tonight. Oh, this will be cool. Young man by the name of Mike Riley. Your quarterback, your MOP, he's going to be on the show tonight as well. It's 6.15 Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. By the way, Kellen... This reminds me, we had a conversation, I can't remember if you were working that night, mm-hmm. this this Van Halen song, Humans Being, from the movie Twister. That's right. And were you working the night we were talking about Hurricane Heist? Yes. Can you check the, re- the reviews for Hurricane Heist? I think it actually might have got half-decent reviews. For sure. Let me just dial it up. Yeah, again, we got the, the conflict, man versus man, the thieves against the cops, and then man versus nature, both of them against the hurricane. At least I'm assuming that's what they had. I, I really don't know for sure. Uh, this is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30, Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. I got a text here during the commercial. 
as we're talking about the U of A Golden Bears winning the national hockey title. This texter says, now we need to convince the U of A to sell some replica hockey jerseys. Love them, but couldn't find them online to purchase. So I texted someone I know with the U of A. Here's the reply I got. We sell them in our customer service center at the U of A, in person or on the phone. No name, no number on the jersey, but the same jerseys as they wore as at Nationals. And I kind of, I think, caught this person off guard with the uh, question. Not sure how much they cost. But there you go. You can buy the actual jerseys the U of A wore at Nationals. I know those, uh, the yellow ones especially, were. I think people kind of like the look of those. They wore those in the quarterfinal and then uh, again in the final. More on the Oilers coming up after 6.30. Dylan Simpson up from the farm. I was just quickly looking through some stats here for uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Sometimes I, I like crunching the numbers, as they like to say. This has been a year of extremes for the Edmonton Oilers. Unfortunately, more bad than good. And I know it's kind of arbitrary to pick a starting point, but you know you tend to try to highlight extended streaks or slumps. In the last... 10 road games that the Edmonton Oilers have played. They are 0 for 20 on the power play, including 0 for 5 yesterday. They have not scored an away power play goal since February 7th. Since February 7th. That was their last road power play goal. They get one yesterday. They might have got a point out of that game, maybe two. On the happier side of the ledger, Cam Talbot, much better. Last 14 games, 929 save percentage. He's only 7-7 seven and seven in that time. Twice the Oilers have lost one nothing. So again, with uh, any, any offense along the way, it could easily have been 9-5. and five. Talbot's save percentage, 929 the last 14 games. The PK, incredible turnaround. No longer last in the NHL. 45 for 49 last 16 games. Over 91%. They did allow a goal yesterday. Puck bounced in front uh, or got knocked down behind the net, actually. Stamco centered it. Kucherov put it behind the net. Montoya said after the game he didn't know if you know where the puck was. But still, 45 for 49 its last 16 games is the penalty kill. And this one might be piling on a little bit. But I just looked out of curiosity. Ty Ratty. Played in the last couple games for the Oilers. Scored in both games. Played two games earlier in the season. Did not score. But how about this? In four games with the Oilers this year, Ty Ratty's shooting percentage, 14.3. Pretty good. In the last 36 games since Christmas, Milan Lucic's shooting percentage, 1.5. Has one goal in his last 36 games. I mean, we're approaching... That it could be half a se- well. Here's the thing: 41 games is half the season. So if Milan Lucic doesn't score in the next five games, we got a half season chunk where he has one goal. If he and it's theoretical, but unfortunately it's possible. If Milan Lucic doesn't score for the rest of the season, that's going to be one goal in 46 games. The last couple of games, and I know a lot of you have been hoping this for a while. The last couple of games, Milan Lucic has been deployed like a third liner. Not on the power play. Uh, ten and a half minutes on Saturday, just under 12 yesterday. It is tough. 
This texture says good teams draw penalties, only 20 penalties drawn in that span. That is another story for the Oilers this season. And, I, you know, I, it's, it is it is strange, and I don't really want to go down the road of, of that. Uh, I, I, I'll just say it bluntly. I do not think the referees are against the Edmonton Oilers. I do think the discrepancy in power plays, though, is, it, it, though, is a little odd. I actually looked this up yesterday. I didn't use it on air. Um, the Oilers have now had 181 power plays. Okay, 181 power plays. Since the Oilers joined the NHL in 1979-80, the fewest number of power plays in a full season. So obviously you don't count the uh, lockout seasons. The fewest number of power plays in a season was Columbus last year with 211. So if the Oilers get two power plays per game or fewer the rest of the way, they'll have the new 21-team league plus era record of fewest power plays in a season. Interesting stuff. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. Oilers at Carolina tomorrow. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey, Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. You can call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Faceoff show will be at 3.30. The game will start at 5. Rocket says, Reed, how does Tampa Bay have 70 more power plays than the Oilers? Same makeup with speed. I don't get it. Trent says, Reed, how does Jay Woodcroft still have a job coaching special teams? And Shirelli needs to get a journeyman depth guy like a Jarrett Stoll to kill penalties and do some heavy lifting. Let me ask you this, Trent. Just to play devil's advocate. Could Jujar Kara fill that role? Is is that is Trent? Is that guy you're describing already on the team? Let me let me just ask you that. I know you'll text me back because you've texted me back before. Just throwing that out there as a question. And Jujar Kara, I think, has sort of become Mark Letestu, um, but he's younger than Mark Letestu, and he's having a better year than Letestu was having with the Oilers. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Here's what's happening in the National Hockey League. We have Boston up 2-1 on Columbus. That's in the second period. Brad Marchand, 31st of the season. Predators now up 2-0 on Buffalo. Late second period. Fisher and Johansson, the goal scorers. Panthers lead Montreal 1-0 after 1. Kings and Wild scoreless about 13 minutes in. Flames and Coyotes coming up a little bit later on tonight. Well, not until 8 o'clock. That one is in Arizona. Uh, Bob Stoffer standing by. Just want to clean up some texts here to 6.30, Trent texted in before the break saying that uh, the Oilers need to add a journeyman depth guy like Jarrett Stoll to kill penalties and do some heavy lifting. Uh, and I said to Trent, just to play devil's advocate, could that guy turn out to be Jujar Kara? Could he uh, play sort of the Mark Letestu role, uh, but he's younger and having a better year than Letestu was having as an oiler? Uh, This texter, who of course did not sign his or her name, says comparing Jujar to Letestu is insane. You're a goof, just like the Oilers' awful show bud. Of course, they used the wrong your in calling me a goof. I have been called goofy before. That's fine. Uh, Kirk says, hey, Reed, when was the last time the Oilers had a plus power play differential for the year? 
Kirk, I tried to quickly sort that on NHL.com, but you can't look at the um, power play opportunities for and against on the same page. Um, but obviously, I mean, this could be the fewest power plays. Well, it will be unless they get 50 in the last 10 games. This will be the fewest power plays the Oilers have ever had in a non-lockout year. Uh, and this uh, DJ says, Reed, I agree that the amount of non-calls towards the Oilers is odd, but really until they figure out how to score on the power play consistently, it really is a non-issue. Well, I think that's a fair point, G- DJ. When you're 0 for on the power play, doesn't matter if you're 0 for 1 or 0 for 10, you're still not getting the uh, production that you need. And Oil 10 says, Reed, as he runs the power play, a lot of the responsibility uh, on that anemic power play has to be on McDavid on the half wall passing around the perimeter doesn't result in goals. That is from Oil 10. All right, you can text 630-630, the phone number, 780-496-0063. We're having fun on the show so far. I went to the airport this afternoon. You heard my... uh, profile on Will Tomchuk, the unlikeliest of unlikely heroes for the Golden Bears. We now bring on the likeliest of likely guests on Inside Sports because we've known each other 20 years. So, Bob, you don't ask a guy to do your talk show at that point. You just tell him. So thanks for rolling with it. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm in a great mood. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing very well. Why are you in such a great mood? Well, why would I be in such a great mood? Come on, Reed. Still celebrating the Golden Bears championship, buddy. Oh, I had a seven-up last night with a couple uh, former Bears uh, individuals, and uh, yeah, it was good. It's good to see. I'm very happy for them. I'll be the first to be honest with you, Reed. I never lie. You know that. Uh, I only kind of tip a little, <laughs> uh, but I will tell you point blank that I think this is a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, I underestimated the abilities of that. The team had a lot of talent, but they were banged up and to play in the Atlantic, and I cannot express... I actually think in the NHL, in a lot of places, it's easier to play on the road than it is at home, especially if you're a struggling Canadian team. But when it comes to university hockey, the players are not used to the travel, and a 3,000-mile road trip going into a hostile environment like that, Fredericton, where some of Alberta's best teams have become undone, uh, for the Bears to win it this year is a very impressive accomplishment, and I am elated for the players in that program. A uh, tremendous amount of resilience has shown. So I, Reed Wilkins, am in a great mood. Well, I'm glad you are. So am I. I'm glad I got to go to the airport this afternoon. I had my interview with Will Tomchuk on in the first half hour of the show. I went down his uh, four goals to his credit on Hockey DB before he got that one yesterday. And I, I, you know, was Googling Will after talking to him, and I found an article that the Fort McMurray newspaper did on him in 2014-15 when he came back to finish his junior career with Fort McMurray, and he described himself as a defensive defenseman. And for the Golden Bears, he's been playing defense and forward, though on the Bears' website he is still listed as, as a defenseman. I mean, you know, Cox got the big goal, Bailey, Crooks, all these, all these high-scoring guys, and it's Will Tomchuk who gets the game winner in the University Cup. Pretty unlikely. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, I reached out to Serge Lajoie and Stan Marple and was wondering, you know, uh, obviously Brandon McGee got suspended. That's a terrific player in the youth sports level. This is a guy that's a three-time 60-point scorer. And, you know, for me, for guys that are in the NHL, sometimes we talk about the level of players and they're taken aback in terms of how good the teams are. Now, the players are off in the first snow, but I know that Ryan Stemple could not play at the U of A the first couple of years he was on the team, and Joffrey Lupo was a teammate of his. 
he's like, how good is their defense? Stemple can't play in their DM because he was our 20-year-old defenseman in my uh, uh, 19-year-old year in, uh, in, in my last year major junior. And uh, I think it's Dakota Conroy who scored 30 goals playing with Leon Dreisaitl, not being able to basically play in the Bears team. And, uh, and also uh, Sawyer Lang was on the power play of Leon Dreisaitl and Prince Albert. And he's not consistently on the Bears' power play because there's players like Jason Fram and Clay Karachenko uh, that are better right shot options at this stage on the power play. And, and so guys are taken aback. But, you know, when, it, when you mentioned uh, what occurred with Tom Chuck, I mean, that's unbelievable because realistically, had Brandon McGee and Jaden Hart been healthy, there is no way Tom Chuck would have been playing. And instead, the guy works hard all season long, gets in there. And you can extend that metaphor uh, for the Oilers. I mean, they obviously don't have a winning uh, program right now like the U of A does. They also don't get uh, basically the, the pick of their little crew. Great recruiting from Stan Marple, Reed, but they've got two hard-working guys every day in practice, and Odo Pacarinen and Johan Avicu that have the respect of their teammates for the fact that they work their tails off and they never complain. And I know Serge Lezouat has told me that that is what Comcheck has done for the U of A. So that's a great story, and uh, terrific on you for taking the time to go up there and uh, get that interview. Yeah, always good to talk to those guys for sure. Bob Stoffer joining us on Inside Sports. Oilers at Hurricanes tomorrow, 3.30 face-off show. Game will start at 5, early one here. Final uh, two games in the Eastern time zone for the Oilers, Carolina tomorrow, and then Ottawa on Thursday. Uh, man, it's like the back-to-back, it's like the soap opera tour here for the Oilers, Bob. <laughs> I mean, Carolina maybe wasn't so much of a soap opera until uh, a couple of weeks ago, and now in Ottawa we got these uh, get Melnick out of town billboards or whatever it is uh, some fan or group of fans has, has decided to put up, and Carolina was searching for a new GM, and now I think the latest is they're they're going to put that off. And you got the Alberta boy Bill Peters uh, possibly on the hot seat as the head coach. Yeah, nobody really knows what's going on there under uh, the new owner, and uh, you know the, the contrast was they were almost an organization impossible to get information out of before. They used to call uh, Ron Francis, uh, you know, uh, Fort Knox Francis because. They were a team you never heard any trade rumors about. And then suddenly, Francis got usurped. Uh, there was some belief that the Dallas Hockey Mafia is uh, is driving the train there. Uh, that is guys like Dave Tippett, who some believe got involved in the power struggle in Arizona that forced Don Maloney out of uh, Arizona. And, uh, and then after that, there was an ownership change, and then Tippett left the organization. Uh, he's been sniffing around NHL jobs. You know, uh, the, the new owner is from Dallas. He's friends with several of the, the former uh, Dallas Stars people that are involved that sort of thing in hockey. So this is an interesting situation in Carolina. Um, and, and really, they've been undermined by one primary thing. They've got the worst save percentage in the NHL. Their penalty killing has dropped from six read to, you know, 24th to 25th in the league. But they, you know, they signed uh, Darling to be the number one goaltender, and he didn't deal with success very well, and he's gone right to the end. Bob, we still got you. I think so. Are you still there, Reed? Yeah, okay. You just trailed off there for a little bit, so I wasn't sure if you were done talking or if we lost you. We, Yeah, we heard you talking about the save percentage. and Dar- I mean, they were hoping Darling was going to be 
the Camp Talbot story, at least through his first two years in Edmonton, and I mentioned his last 14 games, he's 9-29, but that hasn't panned out for the Canes. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. And so what's ended up happening here is Cam Ward's come back in and kind of taken over that job. What do you think is going to happen with Ottawa? I mean, there was so much about Carlson possibly being traded. Uh, there's all the rumors about him and Melnick not getting along. The, the fans are, I mean, you can't fire the owner. You can't take the team away from the owner unless you do something Sterling-esque with the Clippers that I don't think is the case with, with Melnick. Uh, it's, and I know I, I haven't been to that rink, but you talk about, you know, people always talk about the location of that rink too in Ottawa. It just seems like, a, like such a sour situation there. Well, I think Ottawa's. I think it's Pocklington-esque right now for Eugene Melnick. That's how bad it is. That's what I'm led to believe. Um, he does. He's very available for certain media people like uh, Bruce Garriock, who's got his ear. Uh, but it has gone sideways, and you know it's interesting. We'll see what Pierre Dorian does. There are a lot of people that think Pierre is an exceptional talent evaluator, but he's hamstrung financially in terms of the limitations, and will that ultimately result? in Eric Carlson leaving. Uh, I do think the league would not... I mean, there's money in Ottawa. And uh, the guy that started up the search, the delay keeps getting mentioned. Uh, and they got to get downtown. Because I'd love for Ottawa to move downtown. I know I went there a couple of years ago with A.J. Jakovic to a 67 game. It's a terrific downtown, but we never see it. And uh, we can relate to having a challenge donor because Edmonton has Peter Parkinson. Yeah, for sure. Bob Stoffer joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, so Dylan Simpson called up from the farm today for the Oilers. It's an emergency recall, and uh, we know the situation on defense. Clefbaum, final game yesterday. He'll get the season-ending shoulder procedure. Russell didn't play the last two games. I know initially McClellan said they were hoping Russell would be back yesterday. He wasn't, and we should emphasize the people. The Oilers didn't skate today, so Russell's TBA, uh, I would think. Uh, Sekra's obviously TBA after leaving early in the second period, blocking the shot. So huge questions now on defense. Dylan Simpson comes up, and uh, maybe we're going to see him play some games here down the stretch. Pretty beaten up on the blue line now. Well, they are. Uh, I think Russell is a possibility for tomorrow. Uh, I don't know at all about Sekra. Uh, to me, uh, if Sekra and Clefbaum, I mean, obviously Clefbaum's out, so you would think automatically that a V2 would slide in, and I guess Russell uh, would come in for Clefbaum and a V2 would go in for Sekra, and that would leave the emergency recall situation for Dylan Simpson. But if Russell can't play, uh, they're getting pretty hamstrung. The other thing to factor in here... Uh, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he didn't look right to me in that game. I don't know if anything's going on there. We'll have a better idea tomorrow. But he didn't seem to have the same explosiveness that he had uh, the four previous games. Sometimes in back-to-back, I know Nugent just had some challenge with some illness. Um, I don't know if that's going on or what the case is. But uh, bottom line here, you're 100% right. I mean, Clefbaum, Reed, the last four months, I think Clefbaum played okay. And he, yeah, I put a tweet out on him today. I think the others just need, need to hold steady on Clef Bomb. He's, uh, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but he plays 23 minutes a game. I think he could have a much better year next year. He is part of a failure on the power play, but there's lots of failing components to the power play this season. Uh, you know, the coaches would take ownership to part of it. Uh, you know, in fairness, does Nugent Hopkins, is he more effective actually on that half-board role at this stage than McDavid? 
I think if you look at points per 60, you can make that assertion. Drysaddle's had a quiet year. They've never found a right shot one-timer. Latestu was given the first chance. He couldn't get the rangefinder going, and Strom won't shoot the puck when he was over there. So lots of things to factor in here against Carolina. I know this, though. Carolina's been out shooting everybody all year long, and the Oilers better have their hard hats on because if they don't, they're going to get out to play tomorrow night in Carolina. They've not played well here the last couple times they played. Uh, you heard my answer to the question about uh, Jujar and a Latestu-esque comparison, and I'm not saying they're the same player, but there could be a similar uh, role taken on there. Jujar is playing the fourth-line center right now. Uh, obviously, the one listener didn't like it at all. Uh, what do you think about that? I think Jujar has exceeded every possible expectation of him, and I think it was unrealistic to think that... Uh, uh, Latestu is going to be able to put up the same numbers two years in a row. I mean, his first year, he was a big minus. The issue with Mark is he was no longer a good five-on-five player because of foot speed, but he's really smart and was an effective uh, power play guy and probably not as effective on the penalty kill as he's once been. Jujar is a longer player. Uh, he gets into more lanes on the PK. Uh, I think Jujar is, can, can be, at some point, a third liner in the NHL the way he's tracking I love the fact that he stands up for his teammates. And I think you know who fully well. I don't think the Oilers, uh, you know, and, and part of it's going to depend on where Edmonton drafts. But I, I wonder how creative the Oilers can get to change the mix in their defense. Like you get a right shot power play guy. I mean, I look at Falk. He's minus 88 in the last four years. He's a $4.8 million cap hit. Is that a player that could be potentially in play? I don't know. Uh, you know, I look at Cole Yarby, and he was Sebastian Ajo's teammate. Sebastian Ajo is one of the five most underrated players in the league. He's a good player for Carolina. And then they got another guy who I think would make a pretty good swing guy for the Oilers organization in a very Latescu-esque uh, kind of role, and that's Derek Ryan. And I know you're not surprised by that. The only difference is he's better than Latescu in the face-off circle. And I think that that could be an asset. I think that's one of the weaknesses Reed and Strom is he's only at 45%. He's got to get better. The Oilers have one guy that can win a faceoff right now, and that's Drysaddle, and he's a lefty. And uh, so Ryan's an unrestricted free agent. Carolina's in turmoil right now. We'll see if Bill Peters is back, but I wonder whether or not that's not a guy that doesn't make sense in Edmonton in the offseason. All right, Bob, I appreciate you checking in. I kept you a couple minutes longer than I meant to, so I do appreciate that. Uh, you have Oilers now tomorrow. We'll be on at 3.30 with the faceoff show. Hey, uh, have another 7-up for the Golden Bears, buddy. You got my permission. Oh, well, thanks for letting me go out, Dad. You take care. <laughs> That's Bob Stoffer on Inside Sports. He hosts Oilers now, noon to 2 every day on 6.30, Chet. And he's our color commentator on our broadcast. Love having him on the show. He's enjoying the Bears' victory. Uh, by the way, you can get more on Will Tomchuk on 630Ched.com. You can text me at 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Hey, Mike Riley from the Eskimos is coming up after the 7 o'clock news. Quick timeout. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Ten games left for the Oilers. Then a lot of draft speculation, the draft lottery trade speculation. Well, we're already doing some of that, but certainly we'll do much more of it once the season ends. Playoffs coming up. Man, the Jets look good lately, don't they? They have 43 wins on the season. 
96 points in 72 games. Leafs are obviously going to be in. They have 43 wins as well. That could be it for Canada. Montreal and Ottawa, well out of it. Edmonton and Vancouver, well out of it. Calgary hanging around, but not in a great spot. Big game for them tonight against Arizona. They only have nine games left in their season. 780-496-0063. Jordan is on the line. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Reed. Thanks for taking the call. I, I just was curious uh, whether or not you thought uh, that perhaps in terms of the team psychology and, and the expectations at the beginning of the year that kind of virtual lock to, to make the playoffs again and be a contender, maybe, and just all those expectations. Um, and then basically, in my opinion, like it seems as though they've been playing a lot better and they're, they're, they're somewhat of a winning record as of late, basically since they've been statistically eliminated from the playoffs. Do you think there's anything to that, like playing more loose and, and just kind of affecting the team performance that way, the psychology of that? Yes, I do. I, I do. I do think that there is something to be said for playing now with the pressure off and and knowing that you're kind of going nowhere. Uh, and I now I I think you can probably break it down, Jordan, area by area. For me, it means something that Talbot has been able to bounce back for a decent stretch. I think yeah. that's a good sign for next year. The the PK and some of the individual performances. I'm a little leery to put too much on that. I mean, I'd sooner see positive than negative, but I have had guys who play in the NHL tell me, be careful about what you see in garbage time because it's so different for a team going out there knowing, all right, we win 5-1, great, we lose 5-1, doesn't matter. We're 24th or we're 26th, who cares, right? As opposed to one bad game like we've seen with Calgary could could throw us out. So, yes, I, I do think they're playing looser. I, I do think they didn't manage the expectations well uh, at the beginning of the season. I think they came in, quite, quite frankly, a little arrogant, thinking they were better than they were and maybe yeah. forgetting about some of the details they had to take care of. And then I think they got a little almost confused, like, wait a minute, this can't be happening to us. And, and now I think they have pulled out of that a little bit. But... I mean, if if you're making the point that that is it too late, well, yes, it's too late. And can we assume it's going to carry over to next year? I, I'd like to, but I'd be reluctant to assume that. For for Talbot, maybe that's a different case because we've seen him bounce back before. Other areas, I, I'm not sure about. Because let's face it, it, it is garbage time. Maybe you don't think that way, but that's how I think. Well, I mean, the details, I mean, uh, I read a piece, I might have even been uh, one of your colleagues there at the station online, I think wrote a blog piece and uh, uh, mentioning about how the special team, PK especially, and what a difference maker that's been this year, or lack of a difference maker, and how close the games are, that goaltending. But uh, more to your point about the garbage time and, like, the individual uh, efforts, like, how, how realistically, like, it seems Aberg... Uh, and then you got Ratty here, yeah, a couple of good performances. How much can you rely on that? And 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 it does isn't chemistry built. So in terms of like next year, how much time do you give a winger before you kind of pass fail them? I mean, is it really fair to kind of do that now for a couple of games and then try the next guy? Like, well, probably not. And I, I mean, if if Rad, let's play Ratty plays the final ten games on that line and gets six goals. Okay, what does that what does that mean for the start of next year? Next, in my mind, next to nothing. Unfortunately, might earn him a might earn him some cachet going into training camp. But how can you know that when the games are on the line, a guy who's never 
like when valuable points are on the line, how can you know for sure? And that and that's the pro- that's the problem they're in now, I think. Well, anyways, I've been enjoying the game lately, the game, so uh, keep it up at least, keep it entertaining, and uh, yeah, another uh, lottery win. Okay, thanks, Jordan. We'll see you. That's Jordan. Check it in, 780-496-0063. 6.58, news coming up, and then we'll catch up with Mike Riley. Hey, new footballs in the CFL. What's that all about? 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.